podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Problems with technology today, dear viewer. Phone, battery running out, camera running out, so we're speaking to all these people, which you'll see later. Come back. Sean Long's been released from Feathers and Rovers. I should have started with Dewsbury, just say congratulations Dewsbury. There's our week one roundup this week, because there's no time to talk about anything. Um, because you're all waiting for us to come on air. I think we should start with Featherstone because it's the the new news. It, it is breaking news this evening. Sean Long's left Featherstone by mutual consent, which, if you look it up in the dictionary, apparently means sacked. But um, <laughs> James Fordin as interim coach. That was a good move from him from from Wakefield. They've lost right, so they're eight points. Well, I've got the table in front of me. I can I can read it myself. They've won 19 of 21 games, so they've lost two. That's, that's maths for you. Points difference of plus 619. Eight points clear to lose in second place. How many games left? Not many. They only need two more wins. Six. six. Two more to wins confirm, to confirm, I think. Right. League leaders. League leaders' shield. Pass eight. They've lost to Toulouse and Halifax, obviously, yesterday. Both at home. Oh no, no, it's a at home. So, I mean, obviously, he says the statement's nonsense, isn't it? The, <laughs> well, let me, let me, let me, let me go to the statement because it is not. I'm going to have to find this now, but you can't. <laughs> I, I just don't understand how, when you're the top of the table, you've lost two games all season. You part company with your coach, hashtag Blue Wolf. You've got to get the hashtag in there if you're a social media person these days. Here's what it says. Well, it tells me, well, I don't want to join your squad builder. <laughs> Club statement, Sean Long. Come on, that website. We can confirm that we today reached an agreement with head coach Sean Long to part company with immediate effects. The club has invested significantly this year in Sean ins- Long. In Sean Long. To ensure, uh, ensure in Sean Long, we trust. To ensure that we give ourselves the best possible chance of promotion to Super League in 2023. They are eight points clear at the top of the table. The change in rules that come into effect in 2024 make it extremely difficult to reach this goal in the future. But we've got a decent ground, haven't we? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Decent facilities? Yeah. Solvent? Not sure whether they've got those flashing advertising oh, yeah, boards. Yeah, those advertising sure. boards. Share them with Keith, he's going to run different ways. Uh, the rules that come into effect make it extremely difficult to uh, blah, 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 blah. the board have backed this ambition by investing in a playing squad of super league quality and have been disappointed therefore in this season's team performance against some of our promotion rivals they've lost two games and are eight points clear one of whom was Halifax which to be fair have just crept into mm. the six with that victory not a promotion rival I would have said as we reach the countdown to the playoff series Cal we need to ensure that we maximise the huge potential and high quality of our playing roster and we feel this change will enable us to make the required step up, which is required. required. We would like to place on record our thanks to Sean Lott, blah, 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 blah. Uh, we would ask our fans to continue to support the club in their usual way, just as they did in such large numbers at Halifax, blah, 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 blah. Um, you, can't, you can't make a statement like that when you've lost two games. We're going to sack our coach for eight points clear at the top of the table. What's going on? We don't know. Well, I just think it's bizarre. Uh, There must be something else going on behind the scenes, either a fallout between Sean Long and the owner or the the directors. 
but to lose two games be eight points clear it's, it's very difficult to go through an entire season and perform at your best week in week out and to go through unbeaten and ultimately they've, they've got two more games to win of which they've probably got about eight to go at and then they've got two playoffs to win um, so I, I don't know I mean uh, unless they've got an eye on somebody that they want to bring in, in to replace him but it must be cost Darryl well exactly Daryl Powell does he cross from Castleford to to Featherson via Warrington maybe but <clears throat> I don't I, know. I still don't think it can possibly be a decision based on anything to do with the playing <laughs> because nobody gets sacked for being almost perfect <laughs> so it's clearly well I mean on this basis then Dewsby should sack um, Liam Fink because he's only five points clear and they and drew he, he with, did, they drew with did, Oldham he did draw a draw yeah so. so that's terrible so it's clearly something isn't working in the dynamic behind the scenes which could be a relatively highly strung owner who has previous uh, it could be that you know Sean is a bit of a maverick who wants to do it his way and not the way of the person that's paying the money it could possibly be that it's partly a cost saving exercise because whilst they may well have paid him off which is I think what mutual consent these days means he, the, the coach has accepted an amount of money to leave yeah. therefore we have his agreement to leave but uh, we've made the decision that we're going to find an amount of money to offer him um, and it may well be that James Ford coming in that you know the, there's too many cooks and they've decided that it's spoiling the broth on the basis of one defeat. But it, I don't know what how many years he signed in terms of a contract. But if you, if you're Sean Long, you, there's no way you're going to accept anything other than paying up to the end of your contract. Yeah, yeah. Because there are no grounds that one would imagine, based on that statement there, for him to be dismissed. You know, on performance grounds, so it has to be a, a fallout. I mean, as you say, there's so much going around with coach and change before we even get to what's happened on the field. But Sean Long has been linked with Warrington as an assistant to Sam Burgess. Now, if Featherstone have heard that there's a chance that Sean Long could be going to Warrington effective almost immediately, have they got their retaliation in first? Who knows? Andy so. knows. My mate's a Qantas airline pilot. <laughs> He's just helped Sam Burgess carry his new Warrington Wolves backpack up the stairs of the London flight out of Sydney while he was on the phone to his old mate Longy. Andy there with the exclusive. I mean, that'd be picked, that'd be picked up on some website soon. Yeah, news. Probably some sort of breach of... Contest, yeah. Do pilots carry the bags on for the... Andy, I'm not doubting your the provenance of this story, but... The pilot helped Sam Burgess with his bags. I mean, yeah, I don't know. They'd be... Sam Burgess to Warrington, which the the Jungle Drums, which obviously is Andy Last rather than Sam Burgess, but the Jungle Drums are getting stronger on this one. And so you go from Steve Price, experienced coach, with the track record, Darrell Powell, experienced coach, with the track record, Sam Burgess. I mean, they, they they they've talked about in their statements, in interviews with the chairman on Radio Merseyside whichever BBC it is about the culture at the club Sam Burgess very good player very highly publicised private life I just, the two things don't necessarily how, how can you go from pursuing Justin Holbrook <laughs> who has agreed to come and then 
reneges because he gets an offer to stay in Sydney, which apparently is better for his family. Understood. But Justin Holbrook, coaching pedigree in Super League, prove it. Just what we need, a guy to come in, take a mixed bag of talent and turn it into the potential that we hoped it would be when we signed it. Exactly what he did with St Helens. Um, he'll need a couple of years maybe, but he's the guy we want to build the team around. Or, we could go down the route of signing Greg Inglis and various other <laughs> players who um, had a profile. Um, who, who was the England Rugby Union player? Oh, Luther Burrell. Luther Burrell, who, who again... Not saying that he didn't deserve a chance in Super League, but that was a sign as if to say, look at us, we're making a signing, rather than how does that signing fit in with what we're trying to build and do. And it's almost like the same with Sam Burgess. Oh, that'll get people buying season tickets. That'll get us loads of um, coverage Chaos. in the media. But he can't. He hasn't got a track record in coaching. Now, there was talk that maybe Jason Clark, who was his teammate and great friend at the Rabbitohs, might come back to Warrington and actually physically do the coaching um, as indeed perhaps Sean Long might have been linked with that role as well but I think it goes back to the debate we were having last week about what do Warrington want to be who do they see that they are and I would say that whether Sam Burgess comes or not the interview that Stuart Middleton did was one of the most bizarre things I have heard for a very long time basically he was asked the question was hiring Daryl Powell a mistake and he said with hindsight it was but then didn't go on to say but we were the people that hired Daryl Powell <laughs> so we're stepping down because we got it wrong what a, what a strange and almost unfathomable thing to say about an appointment that you've made we've got Warrington fans in the chat so do, do you think it was a mistake to employ Daryl Powell two years ago when it was announced? no of course it wasn't but to go back now and say that it was is not only disrespectful to Daryl Powell, but actually says we don't have a clue what we're doing. I, I think it shows naivety, you know, incredible naivety, because he would say Stuart Middleton would say he was just being honest, and that was his honest view at that time. So you can't then berate him for being honest. But I would question, well, you know, what's the strategy here? What's where's the club heading? Where's your long term? Five ten year vision of where this club is gonna is, is going, and as you've already said, how do you go from Tony Smith, Steve Price, Justin Holbrook offer the job, to then offer a job to somebody who's barely coached? I mean, I may be doing him a disservice. I'm not aware of what his coaching history is. Same with Jason Clark. I've not heard that, but Jason is a really decent bloke. But I'm not aware of his coaching, you know, I'm track record. Sure it certainly won't be long. What they need is. They've got talent, there is no doubt about that. But what they don't seem to have is the ability to gel as a team. And that takes coaching of the highest order. Because it's not about, we did really well on the training field this week. Well, no, you did, because we didn't. We signed you because we knew you were good. We know you can pass to your left and your right, and if necessary. But you can't, you've got to take very disparate parts and make them a whole. And that's a whole different level of coaching, rather than walking in the dressing room and going, I'm Sam Burgess, you may have heard of me. Now go and do what I say. <laughs> yeah. They don't need that. I, I have to say that, and I know we'll, we will talk about the games this week, I was really disappointed with Warrington to start this week. What a dreadful performance I was. Because I, I said last week on the programme, that if, if they come out and play well, it shows that they weren't playing for the coach and, and they were disgraced for doing that. But they didn't do that. They were they were dreadful again. They they made so many mistakes in that first quarter, and and, and again without 
against Cat- the good Catalan, side, obviously. Catalan were terrific. Mm. But you give them a mistake, they'll score, and suddenly you're 18 points down. You're not going to win that game. There, there didn't seem to be the hunger and the passion. That, now, everyone's talking about bounce back and rebound, and I didn't <laughs> see one. You would have expected to see one, though, wouldn't you? Because of because of their because they've been put under scrutiny. Well, because of that performance at Wakefield, which was so abject that it almost pointed to the thing, pointed to the suggestion that had they played this badly to get the coach sacked, and therefore (laughs) the shackles are off and you can play with freedom the week after. But I mean, um, what's his name? Gary Chambers in his post-match interview on Sky, he was just saying what he should have. what he would have anticipated saying before the game, it didn't. His comments to me didn't reflect what was seen on the field. I didn't see a great deal of and effort and desire. Saying, I've seen the, the the willingness in the dressing room. I think the fans wanted to see that willingness <laughs> yeah. on the I field. Think, I think he was talk when he was talking there. He was talking to the players in that he was saying, "I've got your back," which was not what Daryl Powell was saying the week yeah. before or yeah. had had been saying. I think that's what that spoke about to me was, "Look, we're in this together as a collective." I'll support you and I'll defend you and it, I'm sure he was probably saying different things behind behind closed doors but you would have expected to see a, <clears throat> a bigger upturn in performance than, than, than what they, 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 uh, they showed against Catalan I appreciate that Catalan are obviously top of the table but I don't know I, I, I mean when he talked about there being they were all non-exec directors Stuart Middleton and the only sort of director they had was the CEO Carl, Carl uh, Fitzpatrick and I, I don't know I just I just questioned the direction of the club when I was listening to what he was saying. I, from the outside looking in, I always felt it was a fairly uh, well-run club. But listening I think to the interview, they've got some great initiatives, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're focused on performance of the first team. Yeah. Like we, we were also talking, and I know we will more about women's rugby league at the moment and the clubs that are successful and those who, you know, are at a different level at the moment. Um, and the backing that they get from senior management and we, we were fortunate enough to be in Brigade House this afternoon at the uh, previews for the Challenge Cup but both Leeds and St Helens women said independently how much the club had done for them how important it was for them to be allowed to play on the home ground and how that elevated it a level all the backing that they get in terms of S&C and physiotherapy and um, how they're made to feel part of that one club we're going to do in that and they're showing an upturn again in their women's team Warrington aren't doing that mm. and I think again it's like what is your focus on are you trying to build a club that includes everybody um, you know I don't think their wheelchair team again who are struggling a little bit at the moment feel um, the, the same arm around the shoulder that perhaps other clubs are giving their wheelchair teams um, and, and I'm not saying that this is why they're not winning in Super League but it goes back to the question that we both raised we did last week and you just had not who are they? who well, do they want to be? I just think what's the overall strategy yeah. where is that club going? You know, I mean they've done some great initiatives you said that, I mean PDRL and the yeah. tour down under they yeah. sent academy players down under yeah. there's lots of good things going on lots of good things that you can see that Carl's doing in terms of trying to raise the profile of the club which are all, which are all very good, but what is how do they fit under that strategy? Where are they heading? And, and I, for me, the interview with Stuart Middleton didn't answer any of that. Uh, it and raised I, more questions. Absolutely, it raised far more questions than it did an, give answers. And I just thought, I mean, has anybody given Stuart there going into that interview any PR? 
guidance about how you what are the kind of questions that you're likely to be asked and how do we answer answer them as a club because as you've rightly said he almost pointed the finger at himself and his board mm. by suggesting that it was the wrong appointment it wasn't the wrong appointment no uh, and I, I, I mean, and I, nobody I, said at the time no, oh there's something so. questionable that, that's a bit of a risk going for Darrow everybody went yeah you've gone and got the best man available and well done from prizing away from Casford and we're going to now play the kind of rugby the other thing that he said which was Again, I don't think I don't know if it was picked up on, um, and and maybe re- reading too much into it. He said, paraphrasing him, that looking back, he didn't like a way a lot the way that a lot of the people who left had been treated. Yeah. Which again, you look back at well, does he mean Chris Hill? Does he mean Mike Cooper? Does he mean Lee Breers? But if you're a senior management in an organ organisation, you have to sanction that, or you have to. Talk to the to to whoever is making that decision about well why are we making it as a club where do we go in the meantime how are you how are we handling it as a club what's the PR around it uh, have we looked after these guys because you know they've been really good for us and really important and and I would just say that like we're throwing them out and that now if he if he thought that was an issue that that was over a year ago the management have to take responsibility for that agreed and I, and I think Warrington fans know that I think that's what's probably even open their eyes a little bit more for after that interview uh, I, yeah I don't know I genuinely don't know where they're heading as a club uh, I mean I think Paola spoke before about culture hasn't he at the club and the way in which players sort of behaved what their um, attitudes was and stuff like that and uh, he was obviously trying to change that I think the way uh, the way in which he went about it was obviously not the right way but he mentioned the word sense of entitlement, mm. which again tells you something about the culture in a place, that, that people expect something. You mm. go, well, no, we've got to work for it, particularly if we're ever going to win the Super League. Um, but I think you compare them to Lee, which is interesting. That, so you've got somebody at Lee who's got you know plenty of money behind him, he's prepared to splash it about a bit. But actually, the way that they've built that team, they've sort of... Have they been helped by the fact they were probably considered to be underdogs? Maybe they have. Maybe next season's a greater challenge because of the success that they're going to have or have had so far this year. That becomes a greater challenge for them next year. But just because you've got a lot of money, which Warrington do do as a club, shouldn't give you a sense of entitlement. No. You know, I mean, people have mentioned about Paul Rowley and whether he's a name that might be in the frame. But again, I'm not convinced about that as a choice. And that's no disrespect to Paul Rowley, but I don't know how that fits in with where they want to go as a club I, I would have thought that there was talk of um, uh, is he assistant at Cronulla um, someone like that where you know Hull KR have gone and got Willie Peters they, they've gone and got mm. coaches from Australia clubs have gone and got coaches from Australia that have probably been relatively unknown names mm. to people in the UK unless you're a real connoisseur of Australian rugby league and teams have had some success with those coaches not convinced that Sam Burgess fits in that in that frame. It's your point, Lewis. She's won a grand, she's won a grand final and a challenge cup. Um, loads of comments. I, I tell you what, um, just reading the comments through, if you mind, because we had a couple of years where everything was all over the place as everyone was. It's, it's nice to be back live and, and have you involved, and it, it's nice to be back in the corner doing what you used to do in the olden days. Um, the skill levels at Wyington, say Kevin, are amateur level players. They get worse the longer they are at the club. Uh, Chris S. James has spoken very well and I hope they start playing for him their contracts and their pride 
as well as the fans. Uh, Carsten is the font of all knowledge. Hello, Carsten. In is Switzerland for sure. Uh, he, Sam Burgess coached the Arara Valley Axemen. Yes, he did. There you go. And uh, he says, Why to the new Catalans? A retirement place for disgraced or unmotivated NRL players with a questionable character. Well, you know, at least they didn't sign him at Warrington. Uh, apart from Vaughan, Williams, Wrench, Thewlis, Nicholson, and Ashton, the rest can go, says Kevin. Uh, and uh, yeah, Carrington, when Smith was managing why we could put out teams of the level of players we had. It's 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 but, all very. But what I would contend to some of those comments is: pe- were people saying that those same players should have gone when they won? What was it? Eight games on the trot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think people were. Yeah, so the, yeah. the question remains: what went wrong after eight games? To winning eight games, to what losing eight games, or whatever they've done since then. It's the manner that they're playing, I think, more than the winning or losing of the games. I think it's more to do with the fact that the desire that I thought would have been. This is no reflection on Gary Chambers, who clearly is Mr. Warrington and had very little time to to deal with not only taking in uh, taking over at the club, but playing the best team in the league at the moment. But I thought there would have been a desire, not necessarily just for him. Uh, because he's, he's clearly somebody that is, is well loved at the club, but for themselves, um, and I, I I didn't see it. Now, um, but where's the link with Sam Burgess? He has no link to Warrington. There's no link with no, Sean Long. No, um, he's famous, and they like publicity stunts, don't they? And it sounds like a. a yeah, I'm not saying that there has to be a link with the club. And, if, and maybe know. Greg Inglis will come back with him as well because they're great mates and they play together. But it's not what they need in, in looking from the outside looking in. And, then, and quite rightly, we'll get to debate what some other clubs who are underperforming at the moment <laughs> might need at the moment. But, but I, I think that is a, I think it's a worthwhile discussion, and because it's not really about Warrington, it is also about Castleford. It's about Leeds. It's about Featherstone. What as a club are you hoping to achieve? Not this season, but over a period of time. What are you building? What do you stand for? Who are you? And is it sustainable? Because th- there's absolutely no doubt that you know St Helens at the moment are going through an interesting period with a new coach, which was always going to happen, and with some players who are irreplaceable coming to the end of their careers. And it'd be really interesting to see if they can maintain that performance on the field with the necessary change that they're going to have to have in personnel. And it won't be easy, and any sport will tell you, very rarely happens that when you've had you know a. a a group of people who have achieved together over a long period of time that's what you've built that didn't start overnight but you built to a point where you're almost unbeatable and then three or four or five of those players come to the end of their career and you can't fill the gap straight away with like for like now that hasn't happened with Warrington Warrington it's just constant change and that's where they've got to sit down and say well you know Who's in contract? Who's out of contract? Which are the, I thought Josh Thewlis again looked one of the players who was really trying to make an impression because he's a, he's a young Warrington kid. It means something to play, um, but I'm not sure he's a winger. They didn't, I think his best position maybe is, is fullback. But occupying mm. a fullback berth is a very highly paid Australian who <laughs> is as much of a liability. With the greatest, you know, it's very easy for us who've never played the game. But you know, the mistake that Matt Dufty made early on in the game that gifted the Dragons the first try was exactly what they didn't need. Uh, but again, you look back at 
Matt Dufty and where he came from and which clubs he played for and why they decided that he was surplus to requirements at certain points in his career was because he had the flaws in his game that existed on uh, Thursday night. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I think, you know, if, if it was me, I'd be saying, you know, Thielis should be a fullback and he cares and he, he's going to make mistakes like David Lytton does sometimes at Hull. But you look at him and you think, yeah, if they're looking for a long term replacement for somebody like Jamie Shaw who's given tremendous service at Hull but he's clearly coming to the end of a, of a you know a career where the fans have really taken to him because he's one of their own then Davy Lytton is almost the perfect alternative but you have to give him time to become mm-hmm. Jamie Shaw um, that, that's what I don't get with, with, with Warrington and, and I think it, you know Castleford to a lesser extent it's always chopping and changing it's never what do we want to be and how do we want to get Featherstone now is another example of a team that are nearly where they want to be but they're chopping and changing well, well who are you what do you want and, to and be and for seemingly no reason because obviously that statement is nonsense Kevin says when we won the uh, first eight games it was because we had the majority of the ball as soon as we didn't have it we looked very fragile and let easy tries in so we knew that when it comes down to the big games we'd crumble that right hand side Kevin uh, I would recommend if you want a more in-depth um, rant stroke analysis of the point in situation <laughs> that you go and listen to the last What Would Brian Bevan Say, which is hilarious in the bit where someone tries to... Uh, prank, they, they take calls on Zoom, which is brilliant, but someone tries to uh, prank them with some pornography. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so do uh, do listen to that, because it's very funny. Um, the, the, their opinions are those of fans, so they they have strong opinions on things, but it's very good. And uh, watch Taco Bags, because I'm on it. Um all those leading crisis t-shirts at the wholesalers can we change the print to say Warrington says Andy when we were at proper <laughs> I'm not sport think these are out of it no yet. when we were at proper sport we did have a range of t-shirts for every club just uh, on the off I don't know how many we sold I know we sold a couple of these you don't get one where they sort of have velcro I and just take it yeah, yeah. or just have all the, the teams yeah. on them <laughs> just put a little asterisk yeah. saying delete as appropriate we, yeah. even, we even put it in French for Catalans I don't know how many we sold <laughs> I know we sold a couple of the Pyongyang t-shirts because someone's more well, at Wembley but um just going back to the Warrington Catalan game, we, we shouldn't brush over how well Catalan <laughs> played because they had some key players out, including McAlorum, who dropped out on the morning of the game. But they are now playing to such a, a highly defined structure that it doesn't really matter who plays. Yeah, I thought De Costa was fantastic coming in. It, you know, it could have been McAlorum, but the belief that they had that when they got the, where they finished sets how aggressively they wanted to defend, um, that how their key pivotal players got their hands on the ball more than anybody else. So it's no surprise that Tom Johnson uh, and Tom Davis are playing so well at the moment because they've got guys inside them like Tyrone May and Mitchell Pearce and Sam Tompkins who just know how to manage a game. I thought they were sensational. Down on troops, wasn't you know flamboyant particularly, but you, you looked at some of their forwards, um, Roman Navarrete, just outstanding without you know mm. taking the eyes so oh it's Navarrete again it taking just, one of those drives and it was a workmanlike performance wasn't it a professional but performance but everybody knew their yeah, job yeah. and I, I total think contrast to Warrington I think that's why they have to be favourites in the competition at the moment because they're just they are pretty solid I don't think they played to their best of their ability that night obviously as you say they players out but they're still nevertheless put in a in a in a very good performance um, and I think I think the other thing is they're going to get at least one, possibly two home semi-finals. Last year, the game that really disappointed them more than any other was the playoff game. 
because they'd done everything to give them a chance to go yeah. to Old Trafford and they'd never factored in losing at home. Yeah. So I think if they get back to... You, you might remember yeah, that. Yeah, I think... <laughs> I don't they, didn't, they couldn't don't factor in the referee. That's, yeah, that's, why. That's, yeah. And that's what I think. But I think that really hurt them. More, more than I think we imagine over here, that, that that home record is intensely proud and they thought, well, if we're in the playoffs and we've got a home game... Yeah, none of the clubs in that playoff want to go to Catalan, do they no. play at Catalan? <laughs> but I think that makes them even more um, difficult to beat this year. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I just can't see them... I can't see them pass not getting to the grand final mm. uh, based on form and, uh, as you say, the, the, that advantage which is significant at home in the playoffs. Um, yeah. So, uh, Carsten, Andy, someone did try and... Uh, so I was in contact with someone earlier this year to get the kits made. The kits have been designed. I, just, I need to get back in touch with them because they didn't reply to me. But if we can, the, the Pylons home kit is... It is <laughs> It's the best thing you will ever what see. What colours? Well, it's blue and white and red and white because of the flag. Yeah. And grey because if I made it white, then people think it'd be a Wakefield kit. But it, 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 it's. I've no, never shown, no team ever wins in grey. Have I never shown you the design? I don't think so. It, it, it's 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 a work of art. It is. <laughs> it's absolutely superb. Um, but that's that's some nonsense rather than talking about rugby. Uh, Kevin says the Tapas Catalans were putting in uh, no problem putting their bodies on the line. Maybe desire, effort, all these words that you can't necessarily quantify, but Warrington looked like they had none of it. Let's talk Castleford then. Um, if if Darrell Powell was the wrong appointment two years ago, then Andy Last was the wrong appointment when they appointed him. How many months ago? Six months ago? 19 games. And it's not a criticism of Andy Last, because I don't know what he coaches like. But Well, even Craig Lingard today, who has been elevated to his assistant he's saying if, if um, the league status was determined by how much work your coach put in Castleford under Andy Last would have been somewhere near the top now he would say that wouldn't he <laughs> but I think other people have confirmed that he is incredibly passionate incredibly knowledgeable well, the fact that Sean, and incredibly uh, diligent in the job that he did at Castleford so it must be about the players he has to work with Sean Wayne has him as part of his English yeah. staff doesn't he so he he can't be bad at what he does. Maybe he's not a head coach. Maybe maybe that's just how it is. Some people are touch judges. Some people are referees. Um, but after this week, some will be done. <laughs> um, the, the hilarious protest afterwards, by the way, which reminded me of the hilariously brilliant Wakefield Trinity fans invade Red Hall in the year two thousand <laughs> to get our four points back. Um, I think there were six of us there. And it looked like the same at Castleford on 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 Friday. It's not the coach. I, what is completely I don't want to turn this programme into it used to be defending referees now we're defending coaches what is completely unacceptable is that the manner in which he was sacked and the fact that he then had to run the gauntlet of some fans mm. who were incredibly abusive um, you know, not, not for us to say but if you think that's supporting your club please don't go anymore but that's on the club as well in, in terms of how they manage things they yeah. could have yeah. uh, your fans are fans and but again they, they you know, do that. we've seen Daryl Powell sacked at 9 o'clock on a Sunday night I think that's a bit disrespectful. We've seen Andy last suddenly murmurings that he'd gone because he wasn't at the press conference that he should have been at post-game. Um, again, you know, show these people some respect. They work tirelessly for your club. Um, and don't panther to the fact there's a group of people outside saying, sack the board, oh, we'll get rid of the coach. It's not far removed from 
Adam Pearson going in front of the sky cameras, is it? Although apparently... Which of course we all have to say at this point, that, no, yeah. I didn't sock him on the telly. Well, apparently, <laughs> in a book that is coming out, oh, book. Lee Radford did know that oh, he had been yeah. removed. And was I mean, in, I'm sure he did. Was in the dressing room no, I'm sure telling he did. the players. But nevertheless... The perception, but it's, yeah. per, yes, the perception yeah. That, yeah. that Andy Laster's been sacked on the back of what was a horrendous result. Now, losing 28-0 at home to Huddersfield when you, you have to win at least maybe one or two games between now and the end of the season that is clearly think things you know as a board of directors you, you're panicking if we get relegated we may never come back we we have to be seen to be doing something mm. why don't you look at the squad that you've um, that you've, that you've yeah, got I mean, I, I mean all, all coaches work hard so I, you know that's a given it, it is it's such a difficult job I mean people think refereeing is difficult but I think coaching is probably even harder and, and and the chances of you being sacked as a referee are far less than they are as a as a coach. It's just been demonstrated in the last week or so. <laughs> no more referees. Yeah. Um, so you know it is such a difficult job. There's no two ways about that. So you know, I just I remember questioning at the time whether Andy Lass was the right appointment, and that's nothing to do with Andy Lass. Mm. It's just that what I remember saying was when they appointed Lee Radford, Lee Radford brought Andy Lass with them. Mm. Would they have appointed Andy Last at the time they chose to appoint Lee Radford? And I, they may have done, as they subsequently did. Well, they did have a lot of ex-Hull players. Yeah, yeah, they are the closest club to Hull, other than Hull KR. So geographically, makes it easier. But I, I just I, again, I just I go back to what I was saying about Warrington. Where's the club? Where's the club's direction? What's the what? Where are they heading? Uh, where's the long-term strategy? I mean, uh, Lingard said today something about. Um, he didn't know Andy Last when he got appointed. I find that slightly odd mm-hmm. that you appoint somebody that you don't know. How can you how can you decide from the outside looking in? Or whether... who has made that decision? <clears throat> well, is that is he a good coach? Well, he must be because they're doing pretty well. But there's so much that goes into coaching that unless mm-hmm. you have inside information as to how that is operating, who's pulling the strings, who's doing making the decisions and I, I'm not I'm not entirely sure how that works so we'll, we'll come to Blake Austin in a minute because that's another strange <laughs> decision I think from even from Castleford's point of view that, that, that hints of panic that's like can you get us enough wins to and again who made that decision? decision because Andy Last said I didn't know anything about it yeah. Rowan Smith said I didn't know anything about it yeah. so it's it's clearly been initiated by the management of Blake Austin but somebody's made the decision that that's what we want so coming back to that in a minute I what I I find difficult to understand um, with Castleford at the moment is the issues around the club are greater than the playing staff that they've currently got so the ground is still an issue we now have grading you're looking at most clubs even in the championship are trying to do things to say we've taken on board the fact that this grading is coming in whether we like it or not we appreciate that there, we, we need to put the spotlight on ourselves. There are certain things we need to do, uh, things we need to initiate within the club. I don't see any of that at Castleford. And they're going to come back and say, well, we've got planning permission in for a ground. But somebody posted a picture the other day of Richard Wright on a digger saying, <laughs> we are getting our new... That was 2010. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, they may have a planning permission in again at the moment, but I'm, I, I'm still don't see within the club where they are moving forward how they are in a better space than they were you know the the fall from 2017 when you include yeah. that covid wiped out virtually a season is remarkable 
I mean, I think this started last year, really, when uh, Powell was there. That the, the, the squads have—you have to change your squad every year, bit by bit. You can't make wholesale changes, otherwise you lose—you lose what you've built. Oh, you can't let contracts but all run out at the same time. That's what I mean. You have to have yeah. contracts ending at different uh, times or different in different seasons to allow that change to sort of almost organically happen because they've ended up having a squad Radford's inherited a squad that's an ageing squad and then he probably added to that by bringing some older players from Hull maybe that didn't help but yeah I I, I just don't think I think it's more than that I just just don't know they offered him a two and a half year contract I remember saying this at the time when they offered uh, Andy Last a two and a half year contract I thought it would be 12 months or next season 2024 plus the remainder of 2023 or take us to the end of 2023 and then we'll review it again yeah. why would you offer two and a half years that's 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 bizarre in the way that Wakefield were ruthless in getting rid of Willie Perkins at the end of last year and particularly when that. when he'd been in interim charge and they'd not won a game yeah. so what I'd, what I'd change to make that the right appointment for the club and again I, I'm not trying to do a disservice to Andy Lass I'm just saying that somebody above him who's making those decisions how do you rationalise making a decision appointing a coach that hasn't won a game and then appointing them on a two and a half year contract they've now sacked him and they haven't, yeah. we'll have to pay up on that yeah. two and a half year contract but before I, they bring somebody I else think in you also, if we're talking about culture and we, we spent a long time last week because you weren't here so I had to talk about it for longer than we probably <laughs> would have about what does culture mean and how do you define it and, and you know what's it based on I think you go back to a week before the start of this season and the Joe Westerman incident broke how poorly handled that mm. was by the club in terms of what message are we sending out um, you know there was a what three or four line press release saying we have dealt with it without saying how they dealt with it really and he played the first week of the season and you just say what, what, what does that say about us as a club about the fact that the players can do behave in whatever manner they like because underlying the tawdriness of the video that so many people saw what was a player doing out on a bender a week before the season started now that's not in any way to talk about Joe Westerman's talent he's clearly one of the most talented guys that we've had in recent years he's got a fantastic pair of hands literally as we saw in the video and um, couldn't resist and also, but also, um, you know, he, he he makes loads of tackles. He's he's a bloke you can build a team around. But if you're going to have a culture, if you're going to seriously have the rest of the guys following the leader, which he clearly is, at points you have to discipline the leader and say, "I'm sorry, but that's not what we're about." Yeah. And they didn't. And from that moment. I reckon that you know the season fell away and it's just got progressively worse. Culture to me is all about it's all about details. Um, all the details matter, and that's that's the, the smallest thing for the time that somebody turns up for training, whether they turn up in the right gear, um, how they speak to one another, how they interact on social media, whatever it may be. Everything has to run through there has to be a, a constant theme that runs through everything everybody throughout the club that's not just yeah. players it's, it's it's the board of directors it's everybody involved in that club they all know where they're heading they all know what their standards they have to meet etc and that, that that to me is what culture is about I, mean, I remember seeing some things on a, a Salford when uh, going back probably a couple of years 
and they sort of built their culture if you like on the fact that they were a, in inverted commas small club small budget but you almost play to that by saying yeah okay we don't have facilities that some of the bigger clubs have but what we do have is we have a work ethic we have standards etc and by building that and everybody buying into it and if they don't buy into it then, they, then there's consequences for it then you get everybody pulling in the same direction as soon as you get people within that group whoever they may be that, that don't and it's allowed to continue yeah. that's when it breaks down particularly if it's your senior people yeah. it, it's, it's your, the one where the younger kids would be looking up to that Completely. and I think to turn that around to a team that have done it spectacularly well that's Lee's USP this year mm. um, we, we had the pleasure of speaking to Edwin Apape this afternoon uh, who is a I'm going to try and get that video out as, as he, quick as I can tonight, apart from the fact great. that he's a lovely man and we've got great viewing figures in PNG yeah. hello PNG <laughs> hello Port Moresby um, the way he spoke about how he's been looked after at Lee part of which clearly is to do with the Lamb family who come from the same backgrounds the humility that he has bearing in mind that he's been one of the star players this year and that step up that he's made from you can be brilliant in the championship but to replicate that in your first year in Super League is because the people around him are giving him the kind of work ethic and support and belief and journey that they're all on together now yeah I, I think the issue for Lee which, which you've hinted at is this is a team that's bought for a purpose and part of that team is going to retire um, and it's the quality of the signs. I, I do think that re-signing Lachlan Lamb on a two year deal is not only fantastic for Lee but astonishingly good for the competition to which they again deserve our credit that, that is a, a significant coup for Super League, he, would, he will have been wanted by NRL clubs but again I think he feels that that's an environment that he can flourish and whilst they didn't play particularly well yesterday at Leeds they were never going to be beaten there's something about the way that they play and the belief that they have in each other. And again, we're talking about... that. Let, let's compare Joe Westerman and the role model that he may not be at, at Castleford to the lead that John Asiata gives in the same shirt number. Everything revolves around him. You know, you're, you're in a, a tough spot in a game. He'll take the carry that matters. He'll make the tackle that matters. He's, he's not. Not mention his tackling because they're, they're no, come out. But, but it's not illegal. No. But he's not demonstrative. He is a leader by example, and but, I think when you've got enough of those players in your team, and they it's sprinkled through that Lee side, then the ones who are potentially errant, who are, who have got history of that, fall into line. That's what I'm saying. They're not quite. They're not all choir boys. No, far but from it. They're all buying in. They're all buying in to whatever they've decided as a group. Yeah. Which comes from Adrian Lamb, who is really strong. Yeah. And I have nothing... But, you know, if he isn't the coach of the year, then something's seriously wrong. I know Steve McNamara's done a brilliant job with Catalan, but mm. Adrian Lamb is the, the totem around all of this... What, what all of this Lee has built. Mm. Um, and he, you know, he accepts whatever Derek Beaumont says. Well, again, I mean, a, my, my concern is that obviously Lee not too far away from Manchester he's been down to the old Granada studios and been in the Coronation Street props cupboard and got as much leopard print that Bet Lynch used no, to wear I think we came up with a better idea at the press conference which we yeah. discussed with Chris Chester I think Lee should take the field with a live leopard actual leopard yeah on a leash because they haven't announced who's presenting the cup or anything and, right? so and like, uh, I think leopard. it's Lindsay let go of it oh. like, you know, like they did with the bowling no no, no, let, no, no let go of it like they did with the bowling yeah. perfectly but um, Great Britain once took the field with a lion 
in a home test series who was prowling on, on the touchline <laughs> on a lead and it didn't half scare the Australians. I mean, we could it. get on the, 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 those news channels if, we, if, the, if we've got the leopard there and then Just Stop Oil come on, <laughs> let the leopard go for the Just Stop Oil. I mean, not what I'd do, but it would get us on like the, the news. I, I just think that the surprise coming out of the lead dressing room, which, you know, the captain leads a leopard out on a leash. <laughs> Do you reckon Derek wants to be a leopard? Like an actual leopard? I, I, I don't want to go further with this. He has an investment in a safari. I don't want to go further with this. So who's going to replace Andy Last? Well, the, <laughs> not James Ford now. The only thing we, could, we said, and it's not an original thought, is that, you know, the Sam Allardyce of Rugby League is John Keir. You know, yeah. he, he's from... Castleford, he's worked with Craig Lingard. That you know, that, yeah. that there is a natural synergy. That they are very much attuned in yeah. their coaching philosophies. Lingard points to Kier as being his mentor, and he's available. He's a yeah. Cass icon. Um, he's got exactly the same number of games left that Wakefield did when he went there and did a similar job, ironically, against Cass. Yeah. Um, what have you got to lose? And who else is in the market? And it has to be again. Money is an issue at Cass. Sean Long. <laughs> and I think you need to pay somebody commensurate payment to keeping you up for six games. You're not looking any further. You, you know the yeah, likelihood I, I is if you right. stay up, Craig Lingard will be your coach yeah. next year. But get John Kieran, get the two of them working together, win two or three of the games that you need to win, and then look at it again. I agree. I, I can't I, see anybody else. No, I agree. I think they'll make a temporary appointment to Kier to the end of the season with Lingard, and then the review at the end of the year. And it, yeah, I don't know what they'll do from there. And Lingard does the coaching. Now, whether he would have to relinquish his Batley role, because at the moment he, he's doing two jobs. Yeah, and I think once they've been to the 1895 final, you can almost imagine that happening. You could. Passing the reins on. And passing it on to Mark Moxon, who's yeah. going to be taking it anyway. Yeah. And they're going to, I think they're going to be involved in the playoffs. So, you know, again, it's pretty tight now that, that Widners and uh, London have, have sort of closed that gap. But I think Batley are going to be in the playoffs. But if they win in the 1895 and drop out of the playoffs, it'll still be a great season. Yeah. Um, I, I can't see any other alternative. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not getting cocky about the the game coming up in a couple of weeks because I'm I'm concerned now because people think Wakefield are favourites for it. Well, they but, are because you're at home. Oh, and neither of these we teams don't, don't, don't win away. We don't win. anywhere else. But you mentioned John Keir at Wakefield. Do Castleford have? Jason Dimitriou in their squad because as important as John Keir was off the field well they're going to have a Blake Austin Dimitriou was a a proper leader in some bad times off the field with with players passing away and such so a real galvanising force he will find a reason and his reason may well be he is Mr Cass and how much it means to the town and all you know he might be able to get that extra few percent out of the players that are there but a lot is going to hinge on Blake Austin because clearly they haven't bought him not to play him. So they're going to have to use him as the guy that everything goes around. And, and I'm told that one of the reasons he has ended up at Castleford is because he's, he's very close friends with Gareth Widdup from when they were at Warrington together. And when Widdup heard that, um, that Austin was dissatisfied with perhaps not being offered a deal at Leeds for next year and, and his management were looking to try and get him out of Headingley, that it was it was Widdup that was partly involved in saying, oh, if he's available, we should go for it. Well, that again, that Widdup Austin link up, it just could be vital for six games. They, they don't have to produce anything more than maybe winning three of them. And Gary Hedrington helping Cass out because he's Cass lad. 
He's also on that's, that's the other. Uh, that's the other conspiracy. I don't think he's helping them out. I think. Um, <laughs> what, are you, what are you saying about Blake Austin? <laughs> no, I think he's. I, I think the coach at Leeds, if he indeed is the one who makes the recruitment decisions, which is another issue, um, <laughs> has decided that he he's next season he wants a different halfback partnership because he inherited the the one that he's had for most of this year. Now it leaves Leeds really short for the remainder of this season. But you're not going to win anything anyway, so. Well, I'm not. Well, no, you're not. Well, you're late <laughs> on this phone. You are. You're the personification. You are Ronnie the Rhino. We're going to get the head. Bring it in. What will also be interesting is whether Leeds let Luke Hooley play for Batley in the uh, 1895 Cup. And I suspect yeah. they're not going to. I and know. I think that. Uh, oh, come on, I Leeds. think that Craig Lingard suspects that as well. Oh, come on, Leeds. That's just what I was thinking when I was watching the the game on uh, last night when I was watching it, and I thought, is he going to is he going to play? Oh. The problem, I think, for got a week off. Why can he not play? Well, because they haven't got Richie Miles. Richie Miles is buggered, yeah. And being a Leeds player and being paid by Leeds, then Leeds will look at well, who have we got going into our next three or four games if Myler isn't there? Oh, want to give Luke Hooley a run? I'd still. Can you imagine the resentment that would cause for Luke Hooley as a player? If Leeds turned around and said, "We're going to deny you perhaps the only chance you're going to get in your career to play at Wembley," I'd let him play. Um, I, I agree. He could get injured in training. He could get injured walking down the street. Of course he could. Yeah. Um, Steve says Justin Morgan for Cass. Why is Justin Morgan being linked with all these jobs ten no. years after his last? Oh, Justin well, Morgan will get appointed. I can't see Justin Morgan. He, is that, I, don't, I don't think he'd get a visa quickly enough to come over here. They need somebody who will take training. There's, o- there's only there's only one appointment for me, and that's John Keir. Yeah. And it's till the end of the year. Have um, have local media interviews. Um, Dave Woods yet not Dave not Dave Woods <laughs> off the telly not Dave Woods off the other Dave or Woods because like, they linked him with the job earlier in the year Adrian Vowles would be fantastic for Cass but he's not going to get here in time and, no, it, and if, if they get relegated it doesn't matter who they're, they're in the market yeah. for I can't see them coming back if they get relegated from the championship I think they would be behind so many other clubs in terms of the grading criteria never mind not being able to afford a squad that would be as competitive as say a Toulouse if they're left in that division or Bradford in the direction that they're going um, I just think they would have to prepare themselves for a period of time in the championship while they did all the other stuff around the club that they're going to need to do if indeed they've got the money to do that and the current owners have the will to do that mm-hmm. um, so I, I think it, they can't be linked with anybody other than someone who can start tomorrow you can't get Dave Woods off the telly he can't be cheap enough can he? he could start tomorrow well, he's got the, he's got the cup yeah. this week. After the cup, I think that's what potentially makes that that Whitefield Cast game an even bigger game than it was in arguably in 2006. I mean, I touched just that game in 2006, and it was obviously the last game of the season, so there was no other opportunities to gain points, which clearly there is in this game. Which is why this shouldn't be called a million pound game no, because there's, but, there's five games after it that could change the picture. The thing is, that is a game that has to be won if you're Castleford. You have to go to Wakefield and dent their current very good home record by winning that game because not only do you go two points ahead of them, but psychologically that is massive. Now, who is the guy who you're going to get in the dressing room? <laughs> and this is, this is exactly why it equates to what we were saying about Sam Burgess. Sam Burgess walks into a dressing room and says, "You know me, I'm Sam Burgess." You go, "Yeah." John Keir walks into that Castleford dressing room and cries his eyes out because it could be the death knell of Castleford if you guys don't put everything on the line for me. And they win that game at Wakefield. It, he's a part of the way to doing yeah. the job. And, and he's got the man, Scoey. Must rate himself <laughs> as the favourite. He's going to play what's in front of him, vision and awareness. I have to say, he's not loved at Castleford. 
tackle, kick, pass, run, whatever else he says. He once um, was denied a try at Casford, which he's never forgiven the referee that day for. Which, who was that? I can't remember who the referee was, but he, I think it was Colin Morris, possibly. But I, he, 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 I think he intercepted a ball and was called back for offside. Oh. He got sinbinned and he, 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 he's sinbinned. not. Don't like the line. Not for dissent again. Don't like the line. No. They does? don't like him. Who does? No. Why don't the coaches make recruitment decisions at clubs? Madness, asked Kevin. Yeah, but does it happen in football? The money well, now, men, now this director the of money men, stuff, directors yeah. of football, they, you know, the coach will always be asked, I think, there'll be input because they've got to coach the mm. person. But if a club want to get someone, then the club will initiate that. I, I know from talking to Brian McDermott, for example, that he identified some players that he wanted when he could see that the le- that great Leeds team was starting to come to an end in fact don't know, I don't know if it's common knowledge or not breaking a confidence but he wanted Jared Warea Hargreaves to replace Jamie Peacock so he can recommend that to the club but if the club can't do a deal or Warea Hargreaves falls outside of the pay structure it's not going to happen um, and I think that's just how it works in a salary cap sport some of the decision making has to be from What's the bigger picture? It can't be. Oh, we need a halfback. I want him. It's like, well, how does oh, that know, fit I, in? Well, I think that's obvious. But I, the, what I think, what I think, what that person's trying to suggest is what it almost seems like there's even zero consultation with the. Coach I don't think it's and, zero, and, and they're just being bought. It's not zero. No, I'm sure it's not. But it's not quite as simple as uh, is the you know in the old days. Lee sell Blake Austin, and, and funnily, the Johnny Lomax is lining up in a lead shirt because. Yeah, yeah. Jack Myerscough has just said who's the best standoff in the game and well just you know, what's that Australian at Salford Croft yeah, how much does he want and what's the transfer fee yes he's here yeah, you can't do that, that anymore yeah. and the, and the co- you know, coach who do you want it's, it's not like that we do need to by the way Jack Myerscough didn't speak like that I don't know why I did that but. we do need to well Scott doesn't sound like my impression <laughs> oh. um, but you know um, we, need to, we need to find out if the women are, of Leeds are going to get a double bonus if they win the cup because you, you almost promised it to them, haven't you? Well, I think they deserve it. I don't think you've got that power, but... That's how it works. I think, I think when it gets to the Challenge Cup, the, the, the chairman or the director of football walks in and goes, right, what we're doing today, you're on 50, it's 100. Just make sure you win. And there's a free round behind the bar. Have we done all the coaching bits? Is, is there any other issues arising? Coaches? Did you cover... I think we've done all the coaching bits. Alan just Coleman. Oh, yeah, a witness. Going from Swinton. To yes. Um, Good man. I just wanted to come on to a, a, a question from Kevin, which I'm going to try and reword. But it refers to <laughs> okay. people have already asked about the, the Salford St Helens game, so it kind of moves us into that match. Uh, question for James, asked Kevin. Is the level of refereeing suffering because of the the vacuum at the top of the head of refereeing sure department? Not there. <laughs> sure not there. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely not what he asked. <laughs> no, because the, there isn't... A, the person in the role isn't there at the moment. I suppose that's difficult for me to comment, isn't it? Because I'm not there. I'm not there. But does that affect the level of... No, I don't think it does, really. I, I think generally the referees have refereed well this year. Yes, there's been, for the last few weeks, there have been one or two games. But, it, look, we're getting towards the end of the season. You know, these games are becoming more and more important because there's fewer games left. And so, therefore, inevitably... Um, when the games are as close as they are generally at the moment and teams can be, all beat each other apart from Whitefield and Casper yeah, yeah. <laughs> nil nil draw who can, who can only beat each other <laughs> inevitably the focus 
will increasingly come on a referee and as you get towards the end of the season as I said because the points matter and you know taking Paul for example look they've lost what seven games on the bounce you might say that he was trying to divert attention I think he would say he was genuinely genuinely being straight down the line that's what he thought and I'm not suggesting he doesn't think that but is it reality there's a couple of decisions of that game which yeah you could possibly argue either way if there's a video referee then there may be a different outcome but there isn't a video referee referees and touch judges have to make decisions live and they have one shot at it um, is it because there isn't a boss well there is a boss uh, Dave Elliott is in temporary charge yes no firm, no decision has been taken as to as to what is happening with Steve Ganson everybody's aware of that does that create a little bit of a vacuum maybe because there isn't that long term planning about you know talking to go back to clubs Dave Elliott won't know whether he's going to remain in charge if Steve's not going to come back or he doesn't know if Steve's going to come back he takes over again no one knows until you do know you just have to deal with what you've got but the fundamentals of how you referee a game won't have changed. They won't have changed significantly uh, from where they were under Steve Ganson. But but isn't it also about allowing new talent to come through? Because some senior guys have gone in the recent past, then you can't replace them with other senior guys. The junior guys coming through, the ones with perceived and identified talent, have to make those mistakes in the same way that players have to make mistakes to get the experience to not make those mistakes you, know, with, and I, you, you don't you don't I mean this this is the argument again going back to supporters who are incredibly disgruntled with Leeds at the moment and yes I think they shouldn't be ninth in the table but you don't start with a finished article you don't but I would say you know for everybody everybody waxes lyrical about Jack Wellsby for obvious reasons but he's prone to mistakes. Yes, he's just brilliant, and he's one of the world's best players. So you could have one of the world's best referees, and he will still make mistakes because yeah. that's just reality, you know. Well, but what you're talking about is consistency. Will you get consistent performance from that referee week in week out? That's what you'd like to get. And the better the referee, the more experienced the referee, the more likely you are to get a more consistent performance week in week out. But also, as you mentioned about whether whether it would have been referred to a video referee or not. If the cameras had been at Salford and St Helens and Salford had got more of the decisions that they feel they should have done and the cameras weren't at Leeds and Lee, then Jared O'Connor's second try would have been awarded Yeah, because it went up as a try. So if you didn't have the Correct. capability to review that and, and clearly he has dropped the ball, it was the yeah. right decision yeah. to be overruled, then we wouldn't have been talking about Salford and St Helens, we'd have been talking about Adrian Lamb's upset because maybe that would have levelled the game up Maybe they might have lost but the reality it. is, if that's not on TV, you you wouldn't be able to determine that from the single camera that you've got. Exactly. Now, you know, on, on the Salford game, the touch call that a video referee could not assist with that decision. If it was on TV, they can't they can't assist with it. They could have assisted with the St Helens try, whether it was or, was or wasn't a knock on. I get that. Um, Look, yeah, I don't but know. But there was some debate on social media today about whether Salford's first try through Callum Watkins was an, had an offside. You can debate an obstruction. It, an obstruction. Yeah, you can no, debate I, it till the cows yeah, come home. I've, I've seen. You've just got to deal with. Yeah, you know, we we talked about Salford the other week, didn't we? Where there was concern about refereeing decisions going against them, and yet they conceded a try whereby two of their players couldn't pick the ball up. There's enough things in the 80 minutes that are within your gift to determine the outcome of a game 
than the two or three things that go against you that don't. Yeah, Stop the no. programme. Breaking news. Sam Bird is appointed as Warrington head coach on a two-year contract. So your That's friend it. was right with uh, the Qantas yeah. pilot. Yeah, right. he must have flown you. Andy, yeah. Andy, well done. <laughs> I, Warrington Wolves, the banter years. That's what people in football would call it. I just... You can't talk about... Have they about said who's coming with him? Because not yet. That's just a Sky yeah. Sports thing. Just, I, I'm not on Whiteton's media list, so I don't know. But I was busy looking at the charts to see where we were. Um, <laughs> in Mexico. <laughs> yeah, we're still, still the money in Mexico in rugby league. But we're behind James Graham in Turkey. So, you know, pull your fingers out. Um, no, I would just say, on, on, sorry, on sorry. Paul Rowley, yeah, the, the other week, he probably did have an argument with... There was a try, and I think, when they played Lee, that, that wasn't a try. And, and, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, again, that would have gone to video referee. Had there been a video referee, he would have got the right outcome. But a mistake was made, and I, I think it was a poor mistake. Um, there was a mistake again at Salford, where I think it was a Wigan that got a try. Can't remember. There was a tackle in the air that was clearly missed, um, and unfortunately, that was Jack Smith. There was a touch judge on that occasion. But you know, yeah, Robert Hicks and I finished at the end of last year. One of the one of the downsides of the structure that they've got, in my view by having full-time referees is that it makes it difficult to bring somebody in who's not a full-time referee to referee into Super League. Mm -hmm. So you've almost got to be a full-time referee to referee in Super League. Um, and therefore, one of Rowley's arguments was about making it a job that's attractive in financial terms. And look, you don't go into refereeing for financial reasons. But ultimately, if you have a, dis you, you have a job uh, that pays you good money, as Gareth Hewer did, he made the choice that he didn't want to become a full-time referee because he worked at uh, uh, Sellafield. Yeah. Uh, and so he continued, and he did referee in Super League now and then. He refereed a Challenge Cup final, but he wasn't refereeing Super League consistently. And I think if you compare it to, say, Rugby Union, Rugby Union used both part-time and full-time referees in their premiership competition. It's whether they could do that, but unfortunately at the moment, they can't do that in any event because they don't really have the strength and depth in terms of experience. So there's been an awful lot of officials finished over the last few years and uh, they don't grow on trees. Which goes back to what we were saying about when St Helens have to regenerate their team, that Leeds have to yeah. regenerate. Do you, do you want the final part of the Warrington story, which for those people listening to the podcast, we already know. Yeah. As part of the review of the rugby department, Gary Chambers will be promoted to director of rugby. He will have an overarching responsibility for the rugby department from the first team downwards. Chambers will remain in interim charge for the remainder of the 2023 season before taking up his role. Richard Marshall will remain as an assistant coach with a further update about a second assistant coach to be announced in due course. Bracket Sean Long. Sean Long. Yeah. Well, I suspect it, it'd be Jason Clark. There you are. And the Warrington Circus rolls on, says Paul. I mean, we all hope he's, he's successful. Yeah. Not, and he's not an anti-Samburgers for the game. If somebody like Sam Burgess coming back into it raises our media profile and he's Hashtag Blaine Burgess, yeah. Yeah. Former former Bath Union player yeah. joined the Super League Club as coach. <laughs> it's just utterly bizarre. Um Steve Mascord has been on. What are you doing with what's Has I, he not got anything better to say? I do imagine he just sits in front of He's, he's sat in front of his laptop with a lot of boxes of stuff around him. I, I, last I heard he was in Sweden. In Sweden. Again, knee-jerk mid-season decisions made by man-children. Not women-children, because <laughs> they make the right decisions. Man-children. Um, he, he, he said a lot of things, so I'm going to read them. 
Uh, British fans see themselves as essential stakeholders and promotion and relegation as pure sport. Yet the opposite is true to me. The clubs are the playthings of the least poor person in town. These three sackings are the acts of people playing drunken darts during a locking at their own pub. The customers are completely irrelevant. Would these owners do this in their day job businesses? Imagine if Trent Robinson were sat before his press conference. Nick Paltis would be a laughing stock. Considered senile. Steve Mascot, man of words. Beautifully written. I love Steve. Perfectly Mascot. right. I love. I hope he's. I, I know he's at Wembley as a fan this week, so I, I hope he enjoys it. Um, if you've not seen Wise at Wembley, go check his Twitter out. It, it, it's it's interesting. But I. One final comment, and we will move on from referees. That's okay. Just on the Rowley thing yes. is that the other comment he made about you know basically by paying referees and trying to recruit them, his comments do the exact opposite of trying to recruit referees <laughs> so and ultimately there are channels that he should have gone through in order to do it so will I think he'd obviously just got frustrated I am I'm certainly will I thought and he, people he, will he say well, well what about say. what about Paul Wellens and his comments I think well, they're different I think they're entirely defam- different I thought it was almost defamatory about Jack Smith yeah I thought they were, I thought they were disgraceful to be honest uh, and you know even if mistakes were made and I'm not suggesting that they were but even if they were made I don't, I don't think it merits that outburst and I, and I always say, would he go in a press conference? This is of any coach. We're not picking on Salford here um, or Paul Rowley. Would he say player X is a disgrace on his own side or the other team or the other team's coach? It's too easy to... Well, he certainly didn't say about Sneed the other week when Sneed <laughs> uh, you know, kicked the, the goal and drop out into touch and it went out on the full and they, and they can't remember who they played that week. They Leeds. got two points off the back of it, didn't they? You know, I mean, uh, It's one of the very rare Leeds wins in Leeds. Yeah. I, I flabbergasted of all the new we've not even talked about the World Cup which is probably going to be in 2026 we, we haven't even talked um, about Huddersfield's women who picked up an astonishing win amazing women. go listen to Amelia Brown because she's a star of the future in terms of she's one of those proper proper try scoring wingers brilliant um, hat trick yep fabulous finishing I think I scored, saw a score four or five against Wakefield a couple of years ago and, and thought she was somebody else so that was good when I was on Twitter doing that but you, know, you don't normally interview people and think they're somebody else no no um, <laughs> and, and I'm going to leave it in I'm going to, I, I called uh, Simon Grit Scott earlier but because long term listeners of this program will know exactly why I've done that um, <laughs> it won't be Warrington's year next year either says Steve oh come on Steve come on what, what, if, what if he is the what if he is the the missing piece of the puzzle it's certainly one that will get lots of publicity and I would certainly come from the opinion that you know how can we expect Russell Crowe at Whiting (laughs) you know how Derek Bowman is everywhere and he's always everywhere win or lose he's around isn't he he's always he's always front and centre and he's got a profile and you can have your opinions on him. I'm not a massive fan of everything he does, but obviously he's doing a great job for the club itself. And at Wembley, they're doing so well this year. Um, this might be their only chance of winning. And, and when we talk about their, their team for next year, we can, it doesn't matter because they will always have this. Um, but win or lose, he's there. He is front and centre. He is the public face of, of Lee Leopards. You can't say that for Warrington and their CEO, who was everywhere at the start of the season when they're winning. He's on telly, he's, he's on podcasts. Why he was on the Super League podcast, I've got no idea. Taking select media out for a meal. He's everywhere and they're losing and he's not everywhere. Um, which games do we want to talk about? We, we talked about a few of them. I mean, there's nothing, we can't talk about Hull Wakefield because we weren't there. 
We were both at Leeds. Neither were Wakefield. No. So, <laughs> Wakefield don't win away. And we were off the bottom of the table for two days and now we're back bottom again. Terrible. Hulkehaar. Sat the coach. Hulkehaar found a, a whole new team. Well, they, should, they should be fine. They should be fine. And, and, and They've earned the right. I would have done the exact same thing because I'm on Well, it's, it's really interesting going into the final that the teams that picked predominantly their first teams won. And the teams that made wholesale changes predominantly lost. Now, Batley didn't make too many changes, but again, talking to Craig Lingard this afternoon, clearly a lot of them had their mind on what's coming, which is perfectly understandable. Um, but Halifax were the opposite. It's like, we're going to go out and beat the league leaders because we want to take that form into the, the final. So three teams are taking great form into the final. Three decided that the occasion was more important and, and allow that to dominate that I mean I know that Lois Forsell was really upset with the way that Leeds women played but they've drawn a line under that and said no it would be a different team playing at Wembley and you know we, we you're more interested to look at the track record for those teams that have done that and, yes. then, and then the result that, of the week after yeah I, I think in terms of finding I, I can remember Doug Lawton as, as you know oh, Scoe's yeah. best mate sending uh, an entire reserve Leeds team I think it was to St Helens and getting beaten by over 60 the week before going to Wembley got fined and there was huge outcry and he basically said I don't care we're going to Wembley next week but this, isn't this why they introduced the you know the 21 man squads because it, well, it went back to just to stop we going back to Sean well, yeah, we had, I just yeah. think Hulk are earned the right to do that yeah, and if they wanted to sacrifice effectively two points which has put them nearer to the edge of the playoffs that's their inalienable right to do so. Yeah. I also think that Wigan need a lot of credit for the manner in which they went about winning that game because that that's you know you can't, that is a complete no-win situation. If you win by sixty, well, you should have won by sixty. If you only win by thirty, you, you didn't you didn't take it seriously enough. They they did the job that was expected of them. Um, I also want to praise Lee, which I think Rowan Smith did for saying he did kept the integrity of the competition forward. Now, forget whether which, Lee had which, any... Which is a dig at Hulk Hour according to the papers today. No, it's not. Forget why... Lee, Lee have a very small squad. They mm. have very little manoeuvrability. They do, but they, I did go on the website to have a look at their squad. They do have some. There they could have some. made enough yeah. changes yes. to protect their you know, some of their key players, and they, did, they chose not to do that. He also spoke about what, what they are, who they mm. are, their DNA, the whole culture thing, which is why I think he's done a brilliant job. And he wanted to keep as many of his players out there as he could because they want to take whatever they've got inside their bubble into Wembley because they felt that was important. So those contrasting yeah. ways of approaching the final make even more great storylines and more exciting about yeah. about these games coming up. I, I think the other thing, just very briefly on the Leeds and Lee game, um, I do think it was a poor game. But the criticism that Leeds got for lack of creativity, Lee scored two tries as in exactly the same manner that Leeds did. There was no more creativity no. in the Lee team than no. there was the Leeds team. Very, very, very easy to, um, you know, our own Smith's not the man and the team are, are disappointed and everything. <laughs> Even Adrian Lamb said in his press conference that Leeds had a difficult week to, to lose two senior guys out of the spine. Of the, that Lee spine has played together more than any other team this year and it's no coincidence that they, they know their jobs to absolute perfection. Um, when you and I'm not going to make an excuse for Leeds they should they should not be where they are in the table but they have plus 57 yeah. and only 18 points they're in virtually every single game they've played this year they're just not quite good enough 
to make that to turn those matches within almost one score from defeats to victories. But they're not a million miles away. You you two have real lives, so you will not have spent. Why do you have a pretend life? <laughs> yeah, I mean, since nineteen ninety three, I've been playing football manager and championship manager, and. <laughs> Oh, I thought you said wives, not no, lives. Well, like wives as well. Well, no, <laughs> partners. Uh, because I definitely don't have a wife. <laughs> I didn't know where that was going. <laughs> well, Although right. I do sometimes say to Stephen, I may as well have married a woman. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's a different subject. Uh, different podcast. <laughs> when, what's pride in least? <laughs> I am the manager of Dundalk and have been for, for six years now, not in real time in, in, in this game. When I come up into a match in the Champions League and they've got a rubbish game against Derry City the week before stick the reserves out so I would do exactly what uh, Willie Peters did I don't so think I'm fully in favour I really but, don't think they should be fine but should the RFL no. be seen to no no, no. I think those days are gone the listeners will understand I'm looking forward to the the, the, uh, the press release about your mutual consent departure <laughs> <laughs> oh when I got sat by uh, Athletic Club of Bilbao it was disgraceful um, is there anything else to talk about the games in the, in the, the Super League no, I don't think we, so. We had a, no. Um, League One, uh, League One Championship, Barrow 6, London 26. Barrow 6, Bradford Getting tough for Barrow to play two games in yeah. six days. Uh, having won at, at Bradford. Then Bradford went But off, that, was, that was an astonishing mm. result that we didn't get in time to reflect on. Yeah. Barrow won at Bradford. Yeah. Amazing. Halifax beat Fev. Um, <laughs> Coach Sacco, uh, Simon Griggs. Got his name right this time. Winners it was also leaving at the end of the season. Everyone's going everywhere, aren't they? Um, Witness won at Newcastle. Swinton beat Keighley. But you see the crowd at Newcastle? Yeah. So I just wanted to make mention of that, that they had a real big community day. They, they had a festival. Yeah. They had the, I think, the North East Men's um, Premier League Grand Final. They, they really involved the community in that. And yes, they got heavily beaten. They're not quite out of it yet in terms of trying to get out of relegation. They, they still need to find two more wins than anybody that's about them. But 2,000 on a Saturday afternoon, it's mm. a good crowd. Mark Aston will be glad he's not at Featherstone. Not for the first time in his career. I don't think he'll want to go to Whitehaven again. No, 32-20. Deagle's having a bit of a wobble, aren't they? But they're still... Didn't Whitehaven beat Sheffield yeah. at the Sheffield? Dun- 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, remarkable. Um, Terrible news to Keith, because they're now second from bottom. And a point off Barrow. Yeah. And worse points, to, very bad points, there was over 100 points. More. That was a massive win for Swinton. Yeah. Absolutely enormous. And again, I think that. And the result for Whitehaven was even worse then for the teams around because the Whitehaven are now on what? They're on 16, 16 points, so a couple of heads, points and ahead I, of Swinton. I reckon York, even though they held Toulouse close, are in a run at the moment, yeah. but they're not going to yeah, get yeah, dragged yeah. into it yeah. with 18. There's fewer clubs in that contention yes. at the bottom. You yes. basically, I think, from tenth down to fourteenth: Whitehaven, Swinton, Barrow, Keighley, Newcastle. Those are your clubs, but with two point gap from sixteen to fourteen down to Swinton, Whitehaven down to Swinton. Pressure's on on those sides at the bottom. Is it Keighley, Barrow, Swinton? Barrow's right? points difference is very good if mm. it comes down to that as well. I think there's so much to talk about. I, I would talk about the, the TV deal, but apparently it's going to be announced soon. Or, or there's going to be news coming out soon. Mid July, end week, of July, we're now in August. Week, week after next, we were told. So I, I'll talk about streaming and stuff next week because it's there's too much stuff going on. Um, well, we think it will be next week that it's yeah. announced. So makes sense. What do we know? Don't know anything. Um, League One, 
Another coach that we didn't mention. Oldham. Yes, Mike Ford's in. Stuart Little is out. Stuart Little's gone. Yeah. Who I thought might go to Widnes. Yeah. In fact, it's Alan Coleman. Yeah. Could go to Feb. Could go, go to Swinton. Could go to Swinton. Yeah. Can't go to Merry go round. Uh, <laughs> but again, that's the owner putting yeah. himself in charge. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at least but I get that because it's a new order it's yeah. a new order who didn't yeah. appoint him so that's different circumstances I would suggest But was that mutual consent? <laughs> probably um, Oldham won at Cornwall um, Dewsbury beat Workington they are the champions congratulations Dewsbury that did they get one of those shields that is in Nigel's old office did they take those <laughs> from Red Hall to the, wherever it is in Manchester uh, the Hurricanes beat the Scholars go on the Hurricanes uh, North Wales 28 Doncaster 22 and uh, Rochdale 22 Hunslet 35 mentioning Rochdale's reminded me Abigail our fan and I don't, I don't, well, she, well, she I likes me and Phil anyway. well I don't she, know about she's me she's not but... met you yet James, but <laughs> she's got her first she try like she's got her first try this weekend so well done Abigail you, one day maybe you will be at Wembley um, which we do need what, to talk about watch the women's game Abigail she'll be even oh, more inspired um, in the women's super league this week Huddersfield upset Leeds and the scoreline flattered Leeds it 20 did. points for 16 and um, yet if Leeds had kicked some goals they probably would have won it but yeah. they didn't deserve to no and uh, I had to make sure that Amelia went in to do the team song because they were starting singing it while she was out there talking to me I said no go in there come back I'm not going anywhere York beat but Warrington. they remembered it was I know two years I think since their last one in Super League so well done there York beat Warrington 58-10 York have got a new team song after their games apparently because uh, they put a video up of it um, Barrow beat Cass 76 0. Featherston overcame Lee 20 points to 16. And Salford beat Bradford 30 points to 4. Good season for Salford. And Saints beat Wigan. Yeah, and Saints beat Wigan. Um, we like Salford. And they are. There's a gap, as much as there's a gap at the top of. Um, between the top and the bottom of Group 1. I hadn't realised how big the gap was in Group 2 as well. Between the top four in Bradford and Cass. But. Should we talk about Wembley? Because. Should we, we, we mention the World Cup first? I was going to say, the yeah. international yeah. game is worthy of mention because yeah. it was quite a significant announcement from Singapore. The proof of the pudding. We should have got Troy Grant on Twitter. I mean, yeah. I mean, oh, he's standing is, down. Yeah, I know, but he's, he replies to it on Twitter, which he shouldn't do. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's all well and good saying we're coming here and we're doing this and we're doing that, but, you know, I've seen... We've all seen artist impressions of stadiums that haven't been built. The, so. the headlines of it are... We know now that the World Cup will be in 2026 in the Southern Hemisphere. We know that the women's and the wheelchair will be unaffected. The men's will go down from 16 teams to 10 teams. The women will then have their own standalone World Cup in 2028. And eligibility for the men's World Cup, you will have to be of full member status to play. Behind that, and leading into the revised international calendar, is that they want to beef up regional qualifying to give as many nations as they can the chance to play in something called the World Series, which is undefined, where it's going to be, who's going to play in it, who, who's going to cost it, that kind of thing. Uh, but the idea would be to give those nations the chance to not only play each other in meaningful games, but to get up to full member status. They're playing something under the World Cup to become qualifiers for the last two spots in the men. This is only men. You don't have to be a full member to play in the Women's World Cup. Are there current full members who do not, not deserve, but they don't live up to the criteria of full members? Yes. So will the IRL, will, will they reduce their membership? They, what, what they have to do is, there is, a, there is a parallel here to bringing in grading. It has to work two ways. 
that if you don't live up to the grading, you have to. It, that's how we get you promotion back, relegation. Yeah, yeah. So yes, fulfil enough criteria, you'll get promoted, but don't, and you get relegated. So I think again, if they're serious about using full membership status and then moving into world ranking, which will say you've got to play games to maintain your world ranking rather than play once every four years and um, you know you can still be number six in the world. You have to then apply that across the board. So what what do you need to to be a full member? And it isn't just I mean again without getting into too much detail, it's not just about the amount of domestic competition played. You have to be a recognised sport. Mm -hmm. So for example, Scotland are full members because they get Sport Scotland funding because rugby league is recognised as a full professional sport in that uh, country. Greece at the moment don't get that level of funding which is why they can't be full members at the moment but they know now what they need to aspire to but the other thing about all of this we want to encourage more nations to play we want to have more commodities that we can sell um, and get more money into the sport to put into the nations that are developing rather than the elite nation but we want to sell it through the elite nations is tours are back so you know 2024 it's likely that Samoa will come here 2025 the men and women will go to Australia 2026 will be a World Cup 2027 the Kiwis will come here 2028 the Kangaroos will come here can't we swap those two around because the Kiwis always go Get the, the Australians haven't been here for donkey's years that's the plan and I think um, a lot of bilateral agreements we know that we'll get try and four nations tournaments they still haven't announced that there will be two levels of try nations in the Southern Hemisphere this autumn because of the CBA isn't solved yet but, but there will be it might even come out this week um, so I think it will be Australia, New Zealand and Samoa will play while Tonga are over here and then PNG Fiji um, possibly the Cook Islands will play a, a Tri-Nation simultaneously but at the lower tier so see, and the emerging nations are not, not emerging nations because they're not emerging yeah, yeah I think yeah, yeah, tier one nations yeah. and tier two nations although tomorrow, you know, it's yeah, not exactly yeah, yeah. but um, something saleable so that Australia can play New Zealand men's and women's um, and like, likely possibly be in New Zealand as well so yeah a lot of announcements some of which are great tours are back brilliant yeah. you know if we can plan that far ahead fantastic did, did the French do us in in extending the World Cup when they couldn't manage it I think, which means we've had to no, go backwards I, I, I think the issue as well is that the World Cup that we so enjoyed didn't make any money and was the World Cup we had and enjoyed was propped up by the government yeah the, well, and, and it, without that money it will it come out been, but if the yeah. government hadn't financed yeah. it it wouldn't have been sustainable so I think we set a template there which is brilliant and that template we can for do. the next World Cup is being carried on but we, we you know with the greatest it's an article that's just been written for the next 40-20 with the greatest respect through a nation like for example Jamaica there hasn't been an obvious spin-off of being in the World Cup it's fantastic they were here it was a great story we want them to play internationals we want them to continually be able to get to the point where they can qualify for a World Cup but being in the World Cup was just nice for the period of time that they were in the World Cup um, and that's because there's not enough money in the sport. There, there isn't even a you know a pitch they can call their own in Jamaica. And you would have hoped that maybe out of the World Cup that would have been a legacy of it. So lots to take in. Read all about it in the next yeah. issue of Forty Twenty. There's a lot of similarities with the Commonwealth Games situation, isn't Which there? Which yeah. about that? And the Rugby League World Cup. Yep. Uh, so many similarities. I think people shouldn't get lost in the fact that it's rugby league and it's 
putting that, on major tournaments mm-hmm. is incredibly expensive. And that appears to be in a much more perilous position than we are. Yeah, no, I think of, also with less teams playing in it, you concertina the amount of time it's played, yeah. which saves money. I think you get better quality games. I think when they, had, you, a stru- where they had a structure where you had, I can't remember what it was, was it a four team? Uh, you had the sort of the, the super group, the, the super group, and then the other go, groups. I think that was a much better structure. I think that was two thousand eight World Cup. Yeah, when, that's what yeah, it's going back to. Yeah, and that, that worked really well because you had really good contests, and you had good contests in those other two. Well, I think again that the whole idea is to find something that's saleable, and and I do think even though they might not be directly involved, that IMG have always stated that internationals were very important in promoting them. I think they can only. Pro- um, promote what is a minority sport in an international level if you're only seeing elite games yeah. and you branch out from that so I think it was purely it was perfectly commendable that we did what we did and we got some great storylines but as again Troy Grant was saying you know, Greece losing 90-0 is fine for that moment that they lose 90-0 but how does that help the Greek team being in the World Cup they need to play a number of games against opponents where they've got the chance you know they need to be playing Serbia and Italy but, but, but that's obvious to anybody yeah. you don't need to <laughs> run a World Cup to work that out yeah. that's what I don't understand that, do, that's do obvious take over the IRL the, the, well the, certainly the, the don't but, <laughs> but it just that just seems obvious to me so I don't know how they've ended up going down that road and then uh, and then the French wanted to expand on that yeah, just, but that's because the IRL doesn't have teeth but it might have had some money and that's what it all comes back to. It all comes back to money. Yes. Uh, and back to money. The, the yeah. other um, word coming back from Singapore was that a very important player in what has been agreed and discussed was Peter Valandis. And he has a real commitment to the best of the international game to, to promote it and bring money in. And then he's absolutely passionate about filtering that down. But that's inevitable because he's... But they haven't had that support from the NRL. No, but in and, many and that's ultimately why you end up with the calendar because basically the NRL are on board. Yes. Yeah, and, and they all on the NRL. also produce most of the players for yeah. Tonga and Samoa. And, and I think Richard, you're right that it, we've had we've had calendars issued before <laughs> that haven't come to fruition. I think these so, calendars will, and that's a step forward. I think the the nebulous bit is the World Series and. The I, I would just say though, on the press release, it was a really confusing press release. <laughs> I'll have nothing to do. No, I know you didn't. Which is why I'm saying because I know you're involved in the European rugby league, but you're not involved in the IRL. But I had to sort of write down and try and, try and <laughs> well, work out what they were actually saying. Read a two and a half thousand word piece in the next forty to that will tell explain me. Marvelous. Kev's going. Kev, thanks for watching. Enjoy your week. Thanks for Sorry. coming. Sorry, I know we've we've, we've, we've gone on a bit. We've so gone on. Much, I mean, we used so to do two hours, didn't we? So we, we, we're shortchanging you overall. But so much thanks, has happened Kev. this week. So much has happened. It's been. Absolutely ridiculous. Just final thing on the internationals. Um, I imagine the the wheelchair World Cup would it would make financial sense to be played up here, whether in France or England, because with the best in the world to take everyone over to Australia. Well, they're going to review it after twenty twenty six, where they clearly are going to play in wherever the host yeah. is in the southern hemisphere, um, and and it may well be that it's played at the same time as the men's, but not in the same place. Right. Which, we, like which the, makes uh, perfect sense. Like the, was it the Melbourne Olympics in the 50s where the show jumping was on Stockholm or something? There you go. After last week's Segar Bastard thing, I've got to throw in these ridiculous parts of sport. Can't remember the name of which grips he's interviewing, but he knows a Segar no, I mean, Bastard. I, mean, I, I, did, I did think when I'm interviewing Caitlin Beavers, do I say. Oh, but I thought, no, because. Um, Wembley is upon us. Are you going to be there at 10 past 10 to watch the school's final? 
Except you can't get in. Except you can't get in. Until 11. No. If you're in the media. Um, it's a full day. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I mean I'm working all week. I'm really excited. Don't, God knows what I'm going to do with the editing this week and stuff. But I'm excited. I can't wait. Three games which I have no idea who's going to win them. Which is brilliant. Um, who's going to win? Who's going to win? Because you don't know, we have to do predictions. Is there anything else that we, we, are, we are really lucky, aren't we? Because we went to Brighouse this afternoon. Yes. This is Monday for those listening on the podcast. Um, and we got access to people from every team, be they coaches, players. And I left that room thinking not only are we very fortunate with the accessibility of everybody, and you know, it wouldn't happen in another sport, but. I now know even less about who I think is going to win. Yeah. And I'm quite happy to just say, I have no idea. Let's all watch and enjoy it and come back. So what the book is saying? Well, I'll tell you. If, Barry, if anyone's been on the Wembley tour, can you... Can you <laughs> do they still have big baths in the changing rooms? That's the, that's the big question I've come up with today. <laughs> you, um, asked, you asked that? I did, I did ask a player. Um, they I used know, it's a long time ago since... Surely they've got individual showers. They have individual showers, but I don't know whether they'll have... Uh, so like at Tottenham Hotspur's ground, they'd have the big ice bath. For example, right. he wants to know if they're going to be, be hot pint, bubbly. Pint, pints of milk <laughs> to drink in the, the bath. Cu- yeah. Man, the league doesn't go off the cup anymore, no. does it? Which no. is a massive disappointment. I'm going to go with the sponsors, which I shouldn't do really, should I? Because I work for one of their uh, rivals, but um, they sponsor the competition. So oh, was well it last week? Was it in last week's? I'm just trying to find uh, where it is on their website. I think with Halifax's performance against Featherston this weekend as well. I, 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 yeah, just, I don't know how much I don't you, know. I think you, I can, make a, you, you can make a case for every team, which is fantastic. You know, Saints are already the holders, twice holders of the Women's Challenge Cup. They don't want to let it go. Leeds are just a team that know how to play finals. Yeah. Who's going to win that? No idea. Lee, I've got I, 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 of, the, of all the three games, I think the women's game, I think St. Helens will win. Right. The men's game... Lee have got something about them this year. Yeah, it could go either way. That. But Hull KR are, are a team that are so together yeah. that I wouldn't put it. Uh, they, they also have, and they won't mention it much, but it will be in the back of their minds, particularly if some of the players who played in it. They need to vanquish the memory of 2015. Yeah. So there's two great stories there. Can Lee come up from the Championship, winning the 1895 Cup, to then winning the, the Challenge Cup? unbelievable story and then you look at the 1895 Cup you go well Halifax obviously are in tremendous form to have got Sean Long sacked <laughs> and Batley have built their whole season around getting to Wembley and getting to Wembley is not enough for them knowing Craig Lingard it will be I think that's why if I, was gonna, if I was going to say I would think Lee and Lee Batley as Helens will be you know, right. but, I just but, think you're a very brave man yeah I agree I could get all three wrong because we had the same conversation on the semi-finals we and did. I think I got I think I got two out of the six right so who knows I think more importantly 60,000 people are here Agreed. months ago which is 10,000 up on last year and is that partly because we've got different teams there and also partly because more neutrals yeah people it's new clubs there that are oh, clubs that haven't been there for a while and people don't know who's going to win but also clubs that are liked as second clubs you know, with the greatest respect to if it had been a Saints Wigan final, you would not have got Warrington and Leeds fans going. No. But I think there's a lot of people going, Lee, okay, I think I'd quite like to be there and watch mm-hmm. that. I know I can have another two games as well for the same 
25 quid then yeah. brilliant no I, I, I do think that there'll be more neutrals that the buying from all of the competing clubs will probably even be higher than some yeah. of the established clubs because they as you say haven't been there for so long um, and the, you know Hulk haven't won it since what 86 they haven't won it since 71 fantastic isn't it brilliant um, and everyone forgets Hulk winning the silk cup plate because no one remembers the silk cup plate 1997. I was on the school trip and we were stood outside waiting. And they had to get changed in the Wembley Conference Centre and we got stuck in there. <laughs> <laughs> missed the main game. Well, not missed no. most of the main game. Yeah, so, uh, uh, Saints minus two, Lee minus six, Batley minus two. They're the favourites for their games, respectively. On Those are the three that I said, weren't they? But, but, but you can see it, two, not two, two a lot, I think, again, they said the women's game of the, of the three, didn't they? Minus six to St. I mean, but I think it would be hilarious if all the games went to Golden Point. That really bugger everything up. So I'm always a fan of chaos. Particularly the, the men's game, because there's not much time after that men's game if you allow for sweep up all the confetti. Lifting the, lifting the cup and the medals between that and the and the 1895. I don't know where they warm up. Doing the press conference and the mix now. Like and Batley warming up behind the uh, fireworks going off yeah. as, as, <laughs> or, as uh, Lee or Paul KR celebrate. I think what we're all looking forward to is a great day for a billing. Yeah, with weather, lots of likable people involved. Weather is scheduled to be good. Yeah, which, which it normally is on Challenge Cup day. So we, the other thing we, we were talking about in the in the car going over to the press conference was that, that if you're talking of the men's teams, they're both coached by halfbacks. They will both go out to play attractive, winning rugby. They will not be trying to wrestle their opponents into submission, and I think they'll be a great spectacle. You'd like to think so, yeah. I think we'll see a lot of points as well across the afternoon. Yeah. Where the best teams win. Yeah. The best teams will win. A referee will not make a mistake to determine the outcome. Have they now seen these yet? No, it's usually it's usually Tuesday afternoon, I think. Never mind who's gonna win, who's gonna be the referee? I don't know. I think as well as Rob Hicks is coming back again. It'd be no surprise probably between Lee and Liam Moore or Chris Kendall. I don't know. see there's another um Opposing teams that we don't know who's going to win. Is it going to be Liam or yeah. Chris? Kim? What do you do with your medals? You know when you you get a medal. You, I don't know why in, they give you them. They're shoved in boxes somewhere. Because it's not as if you've won or anything. I know it's an achievement to referee in a fight. I'm not saying it's not an achievement, but it's a memento, isn't it? Uh, I, you haven't framed it. It's not on the wall. No, not so, no, so like I don't even know where they are. With the match day program open at your name, no. little medal hung out. <laughs> Definitely not. No. <laughs> The only thing I've got framed is my Rugby League World Cup final shirt from 2008 with a medal. Um, but I haven't. Uh, no, I haven't. I keep meaning. I kept. I kept thinking when I, when I finish, I'll get all these medals out. They'll all need to be cleaned, and I'll be I have to put them in some sort of frame. But I'd have to find them first. <laughs> Been cash converts in Jewsbury. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we melted down. Melted down for a scrap value of about five yeah. pence. Oh, that, that, that's not harsh on you that's harsh on the RFL yeah. um, I, I, I need a programme upsetting the RFL the world is in it all now Phil um, so we will be there on Saturday all day all day <laughs> so you know stay tuned all the we will footage. be frantically well I'll be frantically writing a magazine on Sunday yeah, which uh, will reflect Wembley but uh, we'll, we'll get video up throughout the afternoon on, on Saturday Hopefully we'll do something live at the ground. I'm not sure logistically how we can do that yet. Not in terms of um, doing it, because we can do it. It's just in terms of time. By the time we've got in and got set up at 11 o'clock, I don't know. I'm hoping we're the first people there. 
because that'd be if that'd you want to be the first person there I'll leave early enough to make you the first well, I don't person. want to leave that early because I'm working the night before <laughs> but um, we'll go straight from work if you want Sustenance we've got like, some sustenance on the way down I think, I think but, we'll manage that yeah but it's going to be great men of a certain age will definitely need to <laughs> work out where we're parking but uh, if you're going enjoy it um, we'll be back on Monday uh, to look back on might it. be tired yeah I think we'll all be uh, we'll have another interview up later next week about the wheelchair we don't mention the wheelchair European Championship oh, oh yeah sorry um, I forgot I, I didn't break the embargo no one, to no one told me so I, I can't break an embargo no one told me right we're off uh, thanks for watching uh, enjoy the week keep an eye on the channel loads of stuff coming up from today and I'll try to get Edwin Papi up quick because he was really good so uh, good luck to everyone safe journey and safe journey back Sports Social Podcast Network.